podcasting from Chico, California. This is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss fly fishing, guiding, fishery science and management, conservation, and more. Know better. Fish better. Learn more at barbless.co. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. This episode of the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast is brought to you by California Trout working throughout the state to ensure we have resilient wild fish thriving in healthy waters for a better California. Support Caltrout's innovative science-based work by becoming a member or donating today at caltrout.org. Hey, we're back. What, what day is it? The last day. D3? It's the, it's the day that we can all go it's home. It's the end. <laughs> As we, we hobble home to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, John Lecoque on with us. Did I pronounce your last name yeah, correctly? Yeah, most people say Johnny, but that's cool, yeah. Well, I saw I like Johnny. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. It's a little more informal. Congratulations yeah. on the award you won yesterday. Yeah, three of them. So, what did you guys win exactly? So we uh, won uh, best chest pack. Uh, I think that was the category. Forgive me if I just don't know exactly the categories, but right, uh, right. for our um, flathead lumbar uh, sling pack, uh, which is basically a sling pack. It's a beautiful product. We won it for uh, best accessory. I think under hundred dollars, which was our. Uh, uh, fly dock, which was part of our new acquisition of the Tacky brand of fly storage products, uh, which we just are debuting now at the show this uh, week. Uh, and then we won it for... Oh, I can't remember. What was the other one? <laughs> it was like a smaller thing, right? The, like um, something. It was a child. It was for the kids. There was a kids uh, award. Wasn't oh, there? no. It's for the Tenderfoot. Yeah. For the, uh, it was the Tenderfoot uh, uh, ch- uh, kids best. Uh, best. Right. Yep. Yeah, so, so you own the company, but you also do product. You're you're the guy for product design, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk. Um, I want to talk dry packs first because I've I've got I've used a Patagonia dry pack. I've tr- I've tried your guys' dry pack, and I've used a Sims dry pack. I'm not happy with any three, and here's why: hydration. What's the like <laughs> hydration? I want I want like a hydration pack inside the dry pack, but there's no one's done it yet and i'm wondering there's got to be some technical issue with it or it's a manufacturing issue that'll drive the cost way out of out of the orbit or what have you guys has it been on your radar well i just think first of all the the market's changing i think uh uh hydration uh, bladders inside of packs i think yeah. over the years it's been kind of a diminishing market uh, uh, i think people more want a water bottle uh you know hydration that they can actually put as an accessory onto a pack uh, we find that to be uh, a little bit more what the market's wanting these days. All, most all of our uh, cut and sew packs do have hydration c- capabilities. As a matter of fact, all of them do, our packs. But uh, on the waterproof side, there's a compromise. I mean, you build a waterproof pack to be waterproof. It's, right. it's watertight. It's submersible. Right. Once you put a port that has a, you know, for your, your tube for a hydration bladder to come yeah. out of, then you compromise that, and it becomes less of a waterproof pack, and it's just not as good. So we just we, we keep it pure. We keep them, uh, you know, submersible. Uh, we keep them, you know, as hardcore as we can as far as the, the waterproofness. And if you want water, you basically either got to put one of our accessories onto the four-way accessory parts that are are welded onto the side of the pack. So we have yeah. water bottle holders, you know, that you can put on there, accessories that will hold a water bottle, a Nalgene, whatever. Uh, and or you zip it open to, to grab. Your I water. think people so. just got tired of like the the dirtiness of a bladder. You know, it's, it gets slimy. It gets, I don't know. I, I feel it's easier to clean a, a bottle. Is that why you, you think? I, I just or? think there's been a, a huge uh, you know uh, 
movement towards you know water bottles. Yeah, you know? is it has. just a, is it the kick plastic movement that's contributing to oh, it? I think that, that's a big part of it. I think that yeah. that is something to consider there because bladders are you know very hard to make into recycled material. Um, when but it, I, I think it's just more or less function. I when, think people want to, you know, hydration is a big part of, yeah. of all of the products that we make. I but. just like to have my hands free and just be able to like grab the little, you know, nipple and yeah. nurse on it for a minute <laughs> and keep fishing. Yeah. And, or if I'm walking in between spots, just hit it there and not have to like fumble around. And that, that's, yeah. that's my primary thing. And then like I saw the, you know, the NRS, uh, how they, they water or they they air seal their thing with yep. that little gasket that, yep. and it clips in yep. like maybe something like that you know they're, and they're, that can take a water waterproof kind of an assembly yeah and you just latch it in i think more or less product design doesn't matter what you're designing in the world you you're basically you're, you're working towards what the consumer demand is right and, and, and your market tells you that as far as what your sell through is on product are right? you just are you so. being really nice and telling me that I'm like not uh, your you're, market. You're old school, man. <laughs> <laughs> it took you about ten minutes because you're so nice to just tell me I'm out no, of touch. It's all, it's all good, and and frankly, no, there, there probably is a way to do it, uh, but I think it's uh, we just don't want to compromise the waterproofness. No, I get it, man. I get it. How, hey, when how, when did you guys start this whole process? I I I've been telling. I told one of your reps that I have your. Uh, one of your toiletry kits that I bought when I worked at a fly shop a long time. I still have it to this day. Yeah. I still feel like it's uh, relevant as far as the design and colors. And that was kind of something that when, when I first saw you guys enter the market space, it, you kind of blew everything else out of the water as far as that goes. You guys were just so original in your design. Yeah. Colors, materials. Um, I, I think you have to disrupt the market if you're going to do something that's relevant uh, on any new brand launch, right? You've got to do something that really differentiates from what's out there. So in, in, in 2000, when we launched Fish Pond, uh, you know, it was a pretty, again, kind of old school market. You know, vests were khaki and it was mm-hmm. kind of old school. And, very, and there was some recent innovation that was happening with William Joseph, a few brands that aren't around any longer. But there was some, there was some, there was some movement for a design shift. Uh, but we came in and color was a big part of it. You know, we added jacquard webbing, which is still was part of the, you know, the signature part of our line was very, you know, colorful uh, jacquard patterns of webbing that we put on the products. And a lot of people said that, you know, Johnny, you can't, uh, you know, guys aren't going to buy color, you know. And, you know, they did, you know, and they yeah. wanted it. They, they craved it. They want that differentiation on the water. You know, typically we, you know, our, our colors have been dialed back and green is still kind of a predominant color in the fishing industry. So, mm-hmm. But you do twists on that through trim and color and, and little details. Just accent stuff. Accents. And, yeah. and the details, like anything, especially with our brands, that we concentrate so much on the details. And we never acquiesce on anything uh, that doesn't have a level of, of aesthetics to it, but also, first and foremost, the function ahead of that. Yeah. But when you marry the two together, it becomes very successful. But in 2000, you know, we just we shifted with color and bringing some yeah. little bit of fun into the into this industry and shifting it that way and i think that's why we see uh a, a much younger audience gravitating to fly fishing now it used to be an old boys Absolutely. club right now and look at this party last night that you went to at fish pond there was you know 500 people there i felt old there yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of youth and, and, yeah. a, and a lot of young people it was awesome to and see. i think product drives that i think you know whether it's the ski industry the, the running industry when they have you're really right heavily designed products that are very, you know, uh, purposeful, but with a little bit of fun to them, people wear them as a lifestyle choice as well. And I think that's a super important point you just made right there. Yeah. The lifestyle part, the the toiletry kit that you're using, you know, do we make it to fish with? No. 
we started Fish Pond as a brand that is about fly fishing, it's about water, it's about conservation, but it's about how you live it into your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our bags are you know, very hardcore fishing, but we have bags that also will carry you to, to the, the, the library if you want to go there. Yeah, and it also just kind of extends your market, the addressable market also. Because you, you may get people that aren't into fly fishing, but just are vibing on your brand. Because yeah. they, they want that, that tote or whatever, you yeah. know? So I think, you know, we've always told people that, you know, the products that we make pale in comparison to the company that we stand for. So I think, you know, it doesn't matter what company you are, big companies in the world that are creating brands. At some point, you know, there's a competitor that has something very similar that would work just as well, probably. You know, people catch mm -hmm. up, people emulate what you're doing. But people like to buy products that stand for something, that, that mean something behind that design aspect. And I think that's what we've been working really hard for the last 20 years with our brand, Fish Pond, is to be a company that gives back, and a company that you know, gives you a great function design product that's, that, is, that we hope is as good or better than anybody else's product on the market. Uh, but the company stands for something that's, uh, that you carry that's kind of internal, that yeah. you, you can't describe. Let, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your design process. Okay. And I kind of feel like you probably skilled up before you started Fish Pond in that, in that space. So what were you doing design-wise prior to Fish Pond? Well, my career uh, you know, for the last 40 years has been commercial advertising photography okay. for, you know, for corporate 50 kind of companies, Federal Express, DHL, UPS, United States Postal Service. So you shot a lot of product Apple and lifestyle computer, stuff? Yeah, lifestyle okay. around the world. So okay. inter international campaigns. So okay. I was very aware of branding, very aware of design aesthetics and, and how the context you put, context them in. put them in, right? So what, right. what is that package? Um, okay. And then, uh, and through that process in, in, the, in the mid 80s, you guys weren't even born there, probably. Oh, dude, I, I'm <laughs> 72, man. 82. They were just pulling out of Vietnam. Yeah. So, <laughs> Literally. Uh, anyhow, but you whippersnappers. So, anyhow, in the, in the mid-80s, uh, I uh, founded a company with a friend of mine. Uh, I was working at Spider Active Sports, which is a ski wear company in Boulder, Colorado, where I was born and raised. And uh, we founded a company based on you know, organizing your music storage. And we it was called Case Logic. Case, oh, no, I remember that brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did too. Yeah, yeah. So, so Case Logic was just, you know, we disrupted the market. There was not, there was nog hide cases with silver buckles on them. Yeah. You put your cassette tape cases. <laughs> Jeez. Right? So we yeah, took, I remember that. So we took, like, a, and we were designing literally. a ski boot bag for Spider, which is kind of high tech and sporty. And we put that same material over a plastic tray that we bought at Dude, Target. Case and, Logic was a big fucking deal back yeah, when it, we it, had these DVD, or the, the DVD CDs back yeah. in the day. We were the first CD case ever to come out. It was a huge out. deal. And the, more, and the more Case Logics you had that were full the cooler you were if you had them in your car that <laughs> yeah. was the that was like the status symbol but, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so but it was design that that moved that brand into a, to a, yeah. to a big player that, yeah. and the Thule corporation uh out of sweden owns uh, case logic right now um but you know what i learned in in that process of, of of building case logic was that people have an appetite for design they have an appetite for aesthetics with if, if they carry something right why have it be ugly Anything we do, I don't care if it's the hat you wear, the shirts you have, or the shoes you wear. Yeah, you know, there's something that you you've you've made a decision based on a, a, a of a look that you're identifying. With. So you know, with Case Logic Function, uh, we put design behind it and it worked. Fish Pond. When I started Fish Pond, and I moved back to Colorado from San Francisco where I was living, and uh, I wanted to get into another product based business and um, living on a ranch which I bought up in the mountains. Uh, I knew that I wanted to do something that was maybe more in line with my passions. You know, I'm not an audiophile, an audio person that much. I like music, but I 
you know, I can love fly fishing. That. You know, it was, you know, all of a sudden, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disrupt this fly fishing industry. Let's go for it. So we did it. We came out with some product that was just very revolutionary at the time. First drop down fly bench. Uh, you know, we did tippet dispensers. We did, you know, we made clippers out of, a, you know, uh, titanium that I bought from Boeing. Or hydraulic smart. tubing that, you know, anything. That's a, that's a very expensive thing to lose. Yeah. So little things yeah. like that. We just kind of had fun with that, right? But, uh, and that's, we launched that way. So it was just a different design aesthetic that came out of the shoot that people started to gravitate towards. And then, you know, over the last 20 years, just really building uh, a brand around always doing product with the most functional aspect that we can to fit this marketplace that wants technical uh, excellence. Yeah. And, but always putting a fun design, color, twist, fabrics. And we're a B Corporation, and we are very much concerned about you know, our sustainability and our impact on the environment. And so about 12 years ago, as an industry first, we started using recycled fishing net that was, that was pulled out of the ocean environments. We started recycling that. We had a company in Asia and South Korea that was helping us with that process. We would repurpose those uh, uh, fibers, melt them down. At, they were 100% nylon, so they were the strongest fibers that we could use for our bags anyhow. And we started making our products with them. And the impact that we had from the amount of tonnage that we were able to pull out of the ocean was minimal compared to the message that we were able to send sure. that we need to start using you know, recycled materials and starting yeah. to clean up our ocean environment. Did you, did you read the, um, I, the, the article that just came out? I think it was on Fast Company with the Patagonia owner. And he talks about the 1% thing and why they completely changed their mission into something like we're a company that saves the planet. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff you're saying is, is very similar. So, and, and you guys have the other thing in common is that you're both B Corps. Yeah. And can you talk about, for the folks that don't know what a B Corp is, um, can you, it, it's not really, it's not really a, a filing, tax filing. It's just, no. it's a, it's a, it's, it's a accreditation process basically, right? Yeah. It's it's a verified process. You go through the B lab, uh, and it's a couple year process. They really put the screws to you as far as you know. What are your environmental uh, impacts? What are you doing about them? How are you treating your employees? How are you engaging with your community? Um, there's just all sorts of metrics. So it's it's I I think there's a couple thousand B corps uh, worldwide. We have uh, one in Chico. Do you? Great. Yeah, Clean Canteen. Oh, you heard of them? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Their products all over here. I think we're a rounding error to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, my, I, 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 mean, I, I think you guys are about the same size, actually. <laughs> I don't know, but anyhow, uh, B Corps <laughs> are. Yeah, it's a it's a public benefit. Uh, there's a public benefit corporation, and then there's B Corporation. The public benefit corporation is actually more of a legal status for a tax filing. Okay, it has to transfer to shareholders. Uh, B Corps yeah, are just a, a verified process accreditation that you earn to get it and right. it, it sends a message that you're trying to do the right thing and it's not easy to earn right no you know, it's yeah. like a but it's like it's, it's like being socks compliant yeah. you know like the sarbanes oxley oxley yeah. stuff for accounting so yeah. Yeah. how you deal with factories how the yeah. compliance and sustainability with uh all sorts of things so it, we're really proud of that but it is just a uh, kind of a stamp of approval it's a good housekeeping stamp yeah. of approval kind of thing that hey you're doing the right thing at least yeah. you're trying and you have to keep reapplying for it it's not like a given once you get it you're there it's every, I think it's three years that we've got to uh, reapply for it. Uh, but we're trying to get other companies to, to align and be a part of that same B Corp uh, yeah. process and family because it's just, we're all in this together. And if we don't keep you know, working on these issues, we're not yeah. going to have a sustainable future. That's cool. Well, um, oh, you had something there. Well, I, was just, I wanted to ask him because uh, one of the, the, my most memorable uh, packs or chest you know, vests that I purchased was 
your that first model that you came out with that had the backpack okay. and the modular uh, fly packs on the on the front, you know, mm -hmm. that folded down and yeah. would hold. Um, Love the thing. I mean, I would load it with everything I could, you know, and, and I've I've now gone to a waste pack, but um, I've noticed the design has is changed a little bit. Like you still have the same look, but it looks like you're you've improved on functionality as you guys continue. Is can you talk about that a little bit? Like, is what's important now? Like you've kind of established your brand. Is it now just dialing in all these things and, and getting into functionality more than anything? Well, or? first of all, the market demands change. Right. Okay. Right. You can't be stagnant. And even though that pack may be still completely relevant today, that one you have, yeah. uh, you know, people want new colors. They want new fabrics. They want, they want to ship. And we learn as we go what, how we can make things better all the time. Yeah. I think if you look at a, a, you know, a car, you, know, you never see a car staying the same forever, right? It just yeah, morphs. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, functionality is, is key for us. Modularity is the big one. Yeah. So right now, uh, you know, we have packs where you can put a chest pack to them. You can put a vest onto the front of that pack. Um, you can, you know, any one of our chest packs that we make in our line, which are numerous packs, all work with the backpacks. So that submersible line of backpacks or, or product that we have the on the backpack, again. yeah, that, you know, we have multiple chest packs that can work with that. So you can decide which one you want. You can use the waterproof version of, yeah. a, of a chest pack or you can use a cut and sew version yeah. if you like it better because it's features. So modularity is big. Yeah. And, and we're getting better at that. That, that modularity kind of concept, I think, kind of was born in the military industry, really. You know, because yeah. every, every guy, like a SEAL, a SEAL team, right, they all they have the same equipment, but how they outfit that equipment is different, yeah. right? And it's important because they, they have... They have to be functional and, and still be as light as possible and all that other stuff. I, I took a trip to uh, New Zealand and um, I, I, I one of your original chest packs, like an, uh, one of the old ones. I took it with me because I was able to take the front chest strap of my backpack and just go right behind the the, the seam of that chest pack, right, and lock it into place. And so I had I had something in front of me, but I had all my lunch, my water, everything in the back. It was a different backpack. It wasn't fish pond. I'm yeah. sorry to say. Yeah. But I was taking that modularity you're talking about and making it awesome for me to hike up all the way up to a stream, be able to have all my fishing stuff on me and then all the things I needed to, yeah. to survive yeah. for the day, you know, and it's just, it's awesome. Like all your stuff is Can, super cool in that way. And you yeah. may want to drop the backpack. You don't want to carry it. You want to leave it on the bank. Yeah. And yeah. you want your chest pack yeah. to be able to yeah, be yeah. fish downstream. So, you know, everybody fishes in a different way. Right? There's different environments around the world, you know, from salt to fresh to, uh, you know, the, to Alaska. And everybody has a different uh, environment that they, they, they fish within, uh, the style that they fish within, the needs that they have as far as that they're walking into the Black Canyon of the Gunnison here in Colorado. You know, you need to take a few pieces with you. You can't just, like, take a you know, little lumbar pack with a water, you know. Right. Hopefully no water bottles. No, hopefully nobody's using plastic water right, bottles. Right, Maybe we'll have that, uh, that uh, bladder for you someday. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, people need to have gear, enough food and, and uh, supplies to, uh, to cover lots of situations. So backpacks with fishing gear. All of our chest packs, for example, dock to the back of our backpacks as well. So if you don't want to hike and you're hiking two or three miles, you don't want to have that chest pack, you know, dangling in front of you and all the gear in front of you while you're hiking. Just put it on the back. And we have docking stations for that. It's out of the way and you're good to go. That's so cool. That's just, awesome. we just well um, thought out. Yeah. Can, what out of your entire product, all your product line, what's the one that's most recent that's a brand new category for you? Well, we like a brand new product, not an iteration on on something you already know about. That's a known quantity, but something brand new that you guys put in the line. Because I have 
I've got a design question around it that'll go deeper, but I need to. We need a spot okay. to start. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the most the product that we're really working hard uh, at this show is that we purchased the Tacky uh, Fly Storage brand. Okay. So Tacky, who has won several best of shows here for their fly storage systems Ooh, here I've at the show, got a lot of their stuff. We, we've worked with them and we've purchased the brand. We collaborate with these guys now. They're still part of our fish pond team, and we're going to hopefully disrupt continuing from the nine products that we have right now in the tacky brand we're going to continue to push forward and hopefully just kind of take ownership of the fly storage market it's kind of bringing my case logic days back into storage you know how we can actually uh you know improve upon the way we can you know store flies it's the most obvious thing that we use every single day while we fish doesn't matter what kind of yeah. system you're using with it but um, can, can you make me a promise and make a big big fly box I'll make for big streamers like yeah. six inch plus that, that's that's in the montana works. fly co is pretty much i think the one that's doing the best right now and uh -huh. it, you know there's yeah. some opportunity we've got, we've got some great plans cool so um all right so let's i want to i want to get in your head in terms of your design process i really want to understand it at a really detailed level so when you when you're concepting like walk us through do you like you do you do stuff on paper do you go straight to the computer do you work with a second person that come yeah. in and you you kind of like more of a product management piece where the designer comes in and kind of like concept stuff and you're like no change this change that how do you how do you process that that design piece yeah well in the last three years i've had uh, a very good person who's helped me with uh working with illustrator to kind of bring my concepts yeah. and and drawn sketches uh pencil drawn sketches into a computer format to help me communicate that process to our factories yeah you know we've done it actually for, you know for quite a long time so you're doing you're you're working with a guy to build a spec sheet basically yeah so right. you know, yeah. the spec packages are just important right your factories yeah. have to yeah, understand yeah. what you're building uh but it doesn't make the design i mean the the, you know, the, the, the way design is built at fish pond now is that we're building off of our past we look at every single product we have the colors the flow uh you know that like for example now i'm redesigning three vests uh, in our line and those vests and we designed you know we came up with the concept of the one size fits all vest where you basically you don't buy a large a small extra large whatever you just basically buy one size uh, product and you adjust it with our adjustment system so that, cool. that so was, if i get fatter over time which yeah, looks yeah, like yeah. it's a trend yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't need to get it yeah, it'll, it'll fit you okay yeah. cool so whether That's you're wearing a t-shirt whatever but those things are uh so we morph you know design aspects so we take you know pieces that we've done in the past uh, we, we keep part, parts of them, we change parts of them, and it just keeps moving, right? Yeah. Uh, but new concepts uh, are done uh, through thinking about what's needed, uh, sketching things out by paper. I'm a pencil guy. I mean, I've yeah. just been designing that way for forever. Yeah. Uh, but the computer now is such an amazing tool, right? Because you can really quickly... You fail fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. what I like to say. When you use, a, you use computer design, you fail fast. Yeah, yeah. It's, that you know, makes it's sense. It, it does. Yeah. But I, uh, I'm encouraged by the process. We, we have a very small team at Fishpond. Uh, you know, I've been responsible for product development, product design at the brand since the beginning. Uh, but you know, I, uh, I think it's a shared process. I think everybody in our business is, uh, is sharing in that design process. Yeah. Because as we, you come up with a concept, as you start to put it on paper, as you start to bring it into the computer, you, you, ask, you ask for opinion. Right? Because, yeah. And I don't think there should ever be ownership in design. And I don't think any product that we make is ever purely ours. There's influence from everything in the outside world. Everything yeah. in the outside industry, in the outdoor industry, we look at. We look at materials. We see what people are doing. And as you see in this industry, you see a lot of things happening that other people are doing. It just starts to melt together. 
it's, it's, again, getting back to this car analogy, a lot of cars look the same, right? Every designer who designed cars around the world is influenced by other cars around the world because the market demands certain things and you start to melt together. Mm -hmm. So, so but, the, that market demand, that, that need, that, that what the consumer wants is a big piece of what your, your planning yeah, is. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Let, let's, let's, let's zero in on that thing because it's super important to product development in general. Um, understanding when there's a change, a trend change, you know, that's, that's kind of like the key to stay relevant, right? Because you have these ups and downs or you're relevant and then you're kind of fading. You got to like do something different. It's like the slow roller coaster ride, right? Yeah. So what specific tools do you guys have in place to, you know, to basically put the feelers out and, and kind of like read the tea leaves, if you will? Does that, does that question make sense? Yeah. Okay. I, I, it's, I think it's just being hyper aware, right? You, you can never sit back and feel like you own your market because somebody is, is itching in on your, uh, uh, your process. So we, we you know, and all of our people, everybody in our, our company, you know, is always coming up and seeing ideas, seeing improvements, seeing other things that are people are working on. Uh, and as they fish, they say, hey, this would be a really good idea. And we just act upon it. I, you know, we, we, we don't listen to very many people. We don't have a team of out there like looking around the world trying to see what trends are and things like that. We, we, we just intrinsically kind of have a feel uh, of what the future needs. And the problem is, is that we are only so big and the industry can only absorb so much product. So the ideas that we have are far greater than what we could implement just for market the ability to absorb yeah, those products. Yeah, we can totally relate with I mean, that. We, yeah. I mean, I would like to come up with 100 products a year. That, I mean, yeah. we, we could go that deep. Shit's fun to do. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But our market, and especially in the fly fishing industry, is, is limited as far as the scope and size. You know, we do have a brand that is outdoor. We're not specifically limited to the fly fishing industry for all of our beautiful mm -hmm. wax canvas product that we make. Mm -hmm. None of it's really designed for fishing. It's designed to just feel good and be a part of that vibe that you're talking about. But, you know, we want to design a whole lot more things, but we're, we're being, you know, a little bit more careful these days to, to make sure that Fishbond stays relevant as far as being the most functional, uh, you know, carry system brand yeah. that's out there. So with respect to that relevancy and the, the feedback loop, right, um, how in that loop do your, your reps that are out in the field that are talking to the fly shops or talking to any of your retail channels really in general because you guys are more than just fly fishing, how much of a how important is that rep in that process to like collect the boots on the ground feedback from the the end user, which would be the customer, back to you guys? It's I, I, you would think it'd be a, a, a lot more information that we're getting from reps. They do feed us, yeah. you know, tidbits here and there. Yeah, they're with people, you know, the reps who are seeing this stuff. They're getting, you know, dealer and I mean consumer feedback on the products on a daily basis. And I wish there was a better process to learn from that because it would be very, very valuable. Yeah. But oftentimes it just doesn't get moved up to where I need it. It went in the time frame that I'm working on for new product development. So, you know, we ask for that feedback. We listen to that feedback when, and I think more so than reps is, which are very valuable from that perspective, but more so is from the consumer feedback when we see failures in our product. Okay, we can't ever cover you know everything, so it never has a failure. So when we see those failures, we learn from them, and that's how we get better. We we we, we implement changes based on that. Things get stronger, things get better, and through that process of those talking to those people from a customer service perspective, we learn amazing yeah. things, and that that's my best source of, of so of when information. I like to hear bad news first, and it sounds like you do too. Um, from so when you get a product return, 
or is that something you're you've got you've got like you know that there's if there's one thing that's getting returned a lot some some metric goes off and you're you're notified and you come out and you're like okay what the fuck's going on with the design here <laughs> yeah like is that is that like what happens or yeah oh yeah i mean and we've had some failures like oh shit yeah you know it's like i can't believe this you know so it's happening so you know so how do you deal with the crisis like that we it, you know and and oftentimes it's just something so simple as that we just we there was some oversight in our part of, of uh, a part that was on for example on a recent luggage system uh where we had 500 pieces come in you know the part just wasn't exactly the way i wanted it you know just a a simple part on it so and rather than putting it out in the marketplace so it's basically perfect in our minds we have to absorb that that those 500 pieces which is hugely expensive but you know there are things that we we fail on and i think you know we've we've just put into the best of show category not we didn't get an award for it yesterday but we put it in the in the new product showcase which is a new clipper which i've been working on for 20 years to perfect and it's this, you know, what I started out with was, was this titanium tubing from hydraulic uh, uh, 747 aircraft that we would cut down and we would mill it. And it, it, there's, no, there's no moving parts on it. It's just, a, it's just a tension. Hard to explain it. But bottom line is that we've, we've, we've learned over 20 years how to get better and better and better at that cutting performance of those blades, right? And we've had some that just didn't work. <laughs> you know, they were out there in the marketplace and they just weren't performing well. And it's like, oh, man, how did that happen? But we, rather than just giving up on it, we say, hey, let's improve this. Let's, let's get on it. Let's put all the screws down and make this the very best product that we can. And we were able to do that and still come up with a product that is unbelievable for $29 retail, right? Because I, I believe in price. You could, I could easily make a clipper that is you know, $200, you know, but you know, if that market is very, very thin. So I, I like being able to have people buy the product. It feels comfortable. There's a good value proposition there. And trying to do that, keeping the price and performance in the same. Uh, I remember when that nipper came out. It, it kind of it was just so different than everything else that was available. Yeah, you know? and that, that was the one that attached uh, basically to the to the vest, right? Yes. Through a pin system. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that was mm. our retractor, our three hundred and sixty oh, retractor. Then there was a, that's the attractor, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's still in our line for t after twenty years. Wow. I, pa I patented that design, but that's just awesome. a, it's a great little system. Yeah. So I love longevity, and we right. still have product in our line. We have a, the Blue River chest pack that I designed 20 years ago that was at the first uh, fly fishing retailer show in Salt Lake City in 2000. That's still in the line. It's taken design iterations. We've, we've kind of morphed it, but the same basic premise of that pack is still in our line today. Well, I so, think it's funny, that, yeah. just that toiletry kit. I'm going to have that forever, you know, yeah. until, until it disappears or something. But it, it will. It's, the zippers are still, everything is still so functional on that thing. I, I mean, I just never see it going away. Yeah. And you like it. And the older it is, the better it is. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just kind of you fun. get a little yeah. softer. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, but design is, is my passion. Uh, I think it's what drives the Fish Pond brand. Uh, we've got a capable team of people that share in every process of that design process in our team. That's cool. And um, and now trying to do that in the most sustainable way possible and sending a message with every product that we make that we care about it and that the consumer is a participant in that process uh, of that design by purchasing it and saying, hey, we're making a decision with you to make a difference let's, and let's tackle this this world problem together. So I just, you know, that's, that's kind of the mission on my end right now as far as uh, the brand, I, I love the design process and will continue to be that person that drives that, but um, I'm not going to put aside the bigger mission, which mm -hmm. is the uh, uh, environmental conservation aspect of it and try to save the species. That's fantastic, John. I think it's yeah. an awesome culture you've created there and yeah. congratulations on all yeah. your success. Yeah, I love it. We, we, uh, we usually start an interview with, have you been fishing lately? But we, why don't we end it with, <laughs> have you been fishing lately? Yeah. 
So, uh, yes, I, and I'm fortunate to have some amazing water on my ranch in the mountains of Colorado. So I literally step outside at night and catch brook trout. And the, and I'm the, very the, jealous and the fishers know. and the brook trout, these na native wild brook trout are spawning right now. So they're in the irrigation ditches. What? And, and, yes. And I just go down and, you know, what is fishing, right? Is it actually catching the fish or is it just getting out there watching fish? I mean, there's, what yep. is fishing, right? The mystery of a fish in the water, uh, I think is why we fish. And it's like what you can't see is what you want. And that there's hunting a, factor that goes back to man t mankind. It's you know, just in the this, beginning. Yeah. It's, it's this quest, right? Yeah. But when you can actually all of a sudden start to observe fish, whether through rising fish or seeing them in the water, it just it captures you. It captured you as a child. It continues to capture us as adults. And right now, uh, I guess my, my favorite form of fishing right now is actually just watching fish in hmm. these creeks because they're yeah. spawning. And it's so beautiful. But I'll be fishing this weekend. So yeah. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get out. I've got a lot of people on the show. They're all coming up to my place, and we're going to try to find some water that doesn't have ice on it. Well, if you're so, ever uh, in uh, Northern California, you should uh, hit us up and come out. We'll take you out on the boat and do some striper fishing. I don't know if you're into hucking big, big oh, flies oh, or you for kidding? some, yeah. for some so, striper. Yeah, show them the, show them the, the, uh, your fish we'll, photos. We'll do that for the show, yeah. yeah. That'll get him out, his yeah. ass out there for I'll sure. Be out there. <laughs> and I just may have that big streamer box for you. You know, Dude, I like well, it. Why don't you I let like us it. pilot that thing, man? I, I love He's it. Stoked. Yeah. Hey, and and frankly, that's the kind of idea. This is this this is the part of design process that just happened in this conversation. Okay, you want something that you don't see that you're feeling the market's needs, right? And we just don't have it. There's a, there's a void. I need to fill it. What's the best way? And so, in conversation with you, subsequent to this conversation, I will find out. You know, what is it that you want in that box? What is it that makes it great? So and that's, and that's how look, we. I want to get his on the air reaction of. Okay, so, so what, Nick's got what we Nick's got a picture of his. What's the first thing that that just hit your mind when you looked at that photo and 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 realize it's been caught in California on a fly rod, in the valley. You, you know, you know, what my first reaction is. I, I think of Russell Chatham. Do you know Russell Chatham? No. He's an artist that lives up in Livingston, uh, uh, Montana. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yep. but he used to he used to fish you know the the water around you know in in the Bay Area and stuff like that for these fish and he's got stories and way back then when these fish were just way more abundant you know but my first reaction is is that you did a hell of a good photoshop job here <laughs> it looks uh, like it was photoshopped so you don't know where the hell he is <laughs> no it, that's pretty impressive i have no idea i know can you believe he got his head over mine perfectly in that photo isn't that crazy yeah no that's a beautiful well story. i, really I nice tied a fly specifically to target big striper and the first time i took it out that's that's what i caught that's amazing isn't yeah, that cool yeah, so yeah, yeah get so that maybe get that box out yeah no, you, no, should, you definitely should <laughs> you can, why don't you number. why don't you hand deliver the box and we'll uh we'll field test it yeah all together i love it cool all right. Well, thanks for coming on the air. Before uh, we cut you loose, fish, fishpond.com, right? Fishpond USA. USA, that's dot right, com. dot com. And yep. then what do you, Instagram? Uh, Instagram. Uh, this is, this is the this test. Fishpond USA. Okay. And then Facebook? Facebook. What's Facebook? Hopefully we don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, I hope. Wait, what's Facebook? I've never heard of it that, before. <laughs> I, I hope that we have that conversation in the future someday. And, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, anyway. Our Instagram following, we've got a great uh, group of people and, and posts and ambassadors. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we live vicariously fishing a lot, right? I mean, you know, by showing pictures and seeing what, what other people are doing. And that, that's, a, that's our sport. We love, I think, you know, the bottom line is, and I'll leave this with you guys, is that, you know, we love habitat. We love water. Why do we, why do yeah. we fish, right? Because we yeah. love these places that we go, yeah. right? And I just love it. I mean, it's like this, yeah. this world the is The fish amazing. are a bonus. It is a bonus. Yeah. The fish are just a bonus. And the fun and the laughing that you talk about when you're in the boat with your friends, 
um, the camaraderie. I think it's an industry that's growing. I would love to see more women uh, participate in this sport. I think we're seeing it here at the show. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as that concerned, and and uh, it's fun. So have I think you know the key is we have to be joyful about it, have fun, protect our resources, and. Uh, and buy a lot of fish pond stuff. I mean, it's only you have a go. fantastic brand, John. So congratulations, <laughs> yeah. and on your all passion that. comes through. Yeah, you know, I, I can I, tell I, you're you're max stoked. So, oh yeah, I love it's pretty it. fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, all right. good. So I, I dropped three f bombs, two shits. What else? <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I do these, man. It's all good. It's all good. I interview people like I talk. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Thanks so, again for your time, John. Appreciate yeah, it. I look right. forward to it. Thank Special thanks to our sponsors. Without them, this show would not be possible. And thanks for listening. If you have ideas or any questions for the show, send an email to bishon at barbless.co or join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the barbless podcast and tap on the visit group link. Also be sure to follow us on Instagram at barbless.co or find us on YouTube. Thanks for listening.